Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietry. Sal, you excited tonight? Oh, Ed, look, yeah, for guys uh, like you and I who are getting a little bit older, we remember, uh, you know, Marlon Perkins from Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I remember growing up watching that. But how many of us remember Stan Brock, who was really the guy that would get in there and get dirty and wrestle the animals? You know, Marlon would look good. He would be the guy on there. But Stan would have to go in and wrestle the alligator. And, you know, really was a huge celebrity uh, at the time. But one of the amazing things, and, and this happens to a lot of our guests, while he was working on the set one time, he was injured in South America in a very, very isolated area. And what he came to experience, the difficulty of getting medical service, of getting help, while he was stuck there, he saw that, you know, these disadvantaged peoples and how poor the healthcare was and how much they were suffering. And it had a huge impact on him. Like like a lot of our guests, they come to some call to action. And being a celebrity, he sort of set that aside and said, look, I'm going to become a philanthropist. I'm going to get involved. And he created this group called Remote Area Medical they're a nonprofit uh, delivering basic medical needs to people all over the world. Uh, they've provided over $112 million in healthcare services to 700,000 people around the globe. Uh, increasingly, they're focused on the poor and the least of these right here in our country, providing 90% of their services right here in the U.S. So I'm, I'm honored to have them on the show, and uh, it's great. Yeah, today we're joined by Dr. Vicki Weiss, an optometrist and the president of the Board of Directors for Remote Area Medical Virginia. She's also the vice president and founder of the Bosch Virginia chapter of Volunteer Optometric Services to Humanity and the winner of the Bosch International 2015 Humanitarian of the Year Award. Vicki and her husband have been providing free medical care to people who can't afford it since they were in optometry school together in New York City back in the late 80s. A few years back, Stan Brock asked them to join remote area medical in a more formal role than they had been serving in, and the two volunteer dynamos, as I call them, have been deeply engaged ever since. In 2016, 4,850 RAM volunteers provided care to 5,134 Virginians. And Vicki joins us to talk about her experiences with uh, RAM and before RAM and some of the lessons and insights that she has gleaned from serving people in need. Uh, Vicki, uh, welcome to Grace and 30. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, talking with both of you and uh, with everyone about RAM Virginia. We were asked by Stan in April of 2014 to start an affiliate here in Virginia because the, the idea was to focus more on Virginians since we've had some clinics in Virginia since uh, the year 2000, so to kind of expand remote area medical in our state in Virginia. Yeah, you know, I, I wear glasses, and I am as blind as a bat. I, I, I cannot even fathom... Uh, getting to work, doing the basic things without uh, my glasses. You know, when they break, I, I, you know, I'm sitting around the house waiting for them to get fixed. I, I can only imagine the people you're encountering and this basic service you're providing is helping so many people with a very, very basic critical need. Yeah, Vicki, maybe we should start off with you just giving us sort of a description of these, what they call clinics. These are, I think, two, three-day events where uh, RAM descends on a town somewhere and people come from all around seeking care that can't uh, uh, typically afford care, correct? Maybe describe one of these events to us. So 
Remire Medical Virginia is a nonprofit healthcare organization bringing all volunteer short term clinics in Virginia to those needing dental, vision, and medical care. And so, what that means is, so say a town like Warsaw, Virginia, invites us, and a group of volunteers have, have contacted us and said they feel that there's a need in their area, we'll go and talk to, we call them a community host group. Um, which is comprised of a lot of different volunteers. So it could be a, a school, it could be Lions Club members, um, it could be someone who's involved in the Chamber of Commerce, all sorts of people bring us to their area. And then what we do is we bring mobile units. So we have, in Virginia, we have two units, and one is an eye lab, an eyeglass lab, where we bring 10 lanes of examining equipment to do the exam part where you check people for glasses. We bring four slit lamps, which checks, helps check the eye health, and then we can make up to 400 pairs of glasses on site during that day, each day that we're there. And we're typically, oftentimes it's Saturday and Sunday, but some sites we do Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then we have another truck, which we have 20 dental chairs and all the units to provide cleanings, extractions, um, then, uh, for fillings, things like that. And so we bring all of that. And then we also provide medical care. And then whatever medical we do often depends on how much funding we have and what type of resources we have at that particular clinic. So it can be anything from just basic blood pressure and diabetes checks and things like that to dermatology, uh, nephrology for kidney disease, dermatology, removing skin lesions on site, so all different kinds of things we do at each clinic on a medical uh, basis. But the, the thing that's really fun for me as far as the vision is that something so basic, so like you said, if you lose your glasses, you know, someone say they need to take their child to school or they're a truck driver or they need to get to work and they can't see because they lost their glasses and they can't afford their new glasses, something really simple right then and there we can help them on the spot. And that, that's one of the things that's really fun because you can actually close the loop and help that person right there and make their life better and more functional person right then and there that day. So that's a little bit of what we're about. And so then we, so we spend one day setting up, well, a couple hours, probably about four hours to set up everything. And we can either set up in a school, we can set up in an airport, we can set up in a fairgrounds, all different types of venues, and we just have to make sure we have adequate electricity and water to, to run everything. And then we have the clinic, and then actually at the end, we have volunteers that help disassemble everything and pack it up and de determine what we need for the next clinic. And then we're packed up, and then we're off and ready to the next one. Now, you've done 30 of these, correct? Um, probably more like 70, I think, wow. at this point. I, ha I thought about counting again. Every so often I'll do like a count. Um, but in, so I've done them in Virginia, and then I first started with, um, my first clinic with RAM I think was in Tennessee in 1999, and that was when the concept uh, came, actually it was 1998, when the concept came up to bring remote area medical to Virginia, because there had never been a clinic in Virginia before. But um, but I've been with them to Florida, to New Orleans three times. Uh, one of the first time was a few months after Katrina, 
And then again, we went like a year after that and then five years after that. Um, so, yeah, I've done a lot of them. But now in Virginia, this year, we are having eight clinics and we're slated. We're looking at probably 12 next year in 2018. So we're already planning ahead to 2018, as scary as that sounds. So I, I've read a number of reports about RAM. I've watched videos. I saw the 60-minute reports uh, years ago. And what struck me was that doctors, technicians, patients, uh, people are often brought to tears when they describe uh, these services, how vital they are to them, the people receiving them. Uh, tell us you know, a couple stories about uh, what you've encountered there and some of the people you've come across and, and how profound it's been for them and for you. Right, right. So, you know, I'm, I'm privileged both to be able to help, you know, on the managerial end of this and then actually seeing patients. And seeing patients is always really special. And a few that stick out in my mind is um, there's one gentleman last year who came to the clinic and his glasses, so he had his frame and they were like paper clipped where the screw normally is. He had them like paper clipped, like a paper clip running through the little screw thing to hold them together. And then he had one lens in one eye and a different lens that was taped over the other one because he lost the lens that matched that pair and brought another lens from another pair so that he could actually see, but they were 30 years old, his glasses. So mm. that's pretty crazy for someone to actually hold on to them that long. So I always really remember him because he was finally able to get a new pair of glasses. And, and was the script, it had to be radically different, didn't it? No, so it was, it was, but it's more like they were so, and actually I have a picture of it, so on radio that doesn't translate quite as the same, but on the, the lens was so like fogged up that it's sort of when you, say, your windshield on your car, like the past couple of days when it's been really rainy that you can't see through it. It was just even the quality of the lens itself. So it's partly the prescription, but also the lens just gets so crummy after that many years. So, yeah. um, And then I remember I, just, I, was in a, I was at a clinic just last month, and there was a lady who her prescription, so she wasn't wearing any glasses, was minus 17. And so what that means is that she can probably see probably about two inches from her her face at best. So when she's looking just even across the room, she can't see the clock, she can't see the TV. Um, forget about when you go out in the driveway and looking at trees or anything like that. She can't see anything far away. And so for her, prescribing glasses for her was pretty great because she'd been out them without them, I think, for nine months or something like that. So when you're, you're like in that situation... I mean, you can't possibly function in school or doing a job interview or anything like that. Um, another thing that is really kind of something that you might not necessarily think about what happens that we hopefully we do for patients and I think we do do for patients is that for them knowing that all of these volunteer doctors, dentists, optometrists, and lay volunteers that made this happen and people who donated their money and time and effort to be there just for them to know that all of these people care enough to take care of them. Um, and that, that's always kind of a priceless thing. And when someone says thank you, and I was talking to my husband about this, Dr. Doug Weiss, who's an optometrist and also is on the board of RAM Virginia, that it's really great when someone just says thank you you know, the volunteers, we all really appreciate that. But then also, hopefully, we've helped them, you know, just feel that someone actually cared enough to try to bring these services to them. 
And so I, I think we make an impact on in that, too. So not only just from the physical, we provide you glasses or we check your eye health, but also, you know, feeling that, that people actually cared about them. Um, and then just from an eye clinic point of view, we always find people with glaucoma, macular degeneration, different things like that. And then I get doctors who are willing to see patients afterwards to follow up on these things to make sure they get the treatment that they need. Um, so so that's just a couple of them. I could go on and on because there's a lot of stories. No, they're, they're, they're great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 400 pairs of glasses a day. I mean, you guys put Warby Parker to shame. <laughs> I mean, my gosh. I mean, that's no, incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh, it's, Lord. It's pretty great. So it's like a new new lab, and we have two great, really fast edgers that work really quickly to do that. I also have some volunteer opticians, a uh, local optician uh, from Standardsville, Virginia. He comes and helps. And then from the J.R. Sergeant Reynolds opticianry program in Richmond, we get a lot of opticians from there that come help us, and then the opticianry students. So they help make the glasses on site. And then a company called Essilor helps donate a lot of our lenses. And so that really helps. So everyone gets brand new pairs of glasses right then and there. And if we don't have their prescription, uh, we have various companies have donated frames to us and continue to donate frames to us. And then we have them made through Essilor and then we get them to the patient. So if we can't make their prescription, if it's really high and we don't have it on site, then we'll send it to them after the clinic. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, just take a quick break to remind listeners that we're talking to Vicki Weiss, Dr. Vicki Weiss, an optometrist and president of the Board of Directors for Remote Area Medical Virginia. Uh, she's been providing eye care to those who can't afford it in numerous ways for over 25 years now. So many of these folks, you you, know, you help them. Do, you, do they tend to come back? You keep in touch with some of these folks? I mean, uh, you have relationships. Do they ever come back and volunteer themselves? Right. So that, that's actually another pretty cool thing that happens sometimes. So, And I had that happen recently to somebody who came up to me and said, oh, I was actually a patient two years ago at a Ram Virginia event, and then, that, then she was there volunteering at this more recent event. So that's always really fun because part of the point of what we do is hopefully we're helping people who need it at that particular point but may not need it for their whole life, but they may not, just not just not have the money and not have the ability or the access to care at that particular time. So then a lot of times they'll want to give back. And so that that's definitely really a really exciting thing. And then one lady I'll remark about is so the first time that I went to New Orleans, we did our we set up in the zoo there. So they have a great zoo. And the eye clinic was actually over the, in this little wooden building, over like an alligator pond. Like literally alligators were hanging out there. And so if any of the frames dropped over the edge, you know, we wouldn't go get up or anything like that. But we met this lady named Phyllis. And um, my older son, Jeremy, came with me to that clinic. And Phyllis had two sons similar ages to my sons and they had been displaced from their home and they kind of didn't really have a place to they were kind of moving around from relative to relative at that point but then we went back like a year and a half later and she had us over to her house and cooked 
I can't remember everything she cooked, but a lot of fried food, really good food for us. And it was really great to see her get back on her feet and her kids back in schools and different things like that. So, so we were able to keep in touch with her. And then now with technology, um, I had this little boy that I saw last year who was about nine years old, and his older brother uh, had some physical handicaps. And I was really amazed by this younger brother, how he was really helpful with the older brother, and he needed glasses. And so I ran into the grandmother at this other clinic, and she said, oh, yeah, you saw these two brothers last year. And I said, oh, yeah, I totally remember them. And then the mother wound up Facebook messaging me that night. So it's kind of interesting how you do run into the people over and over again, or if not them, their family members. But I think what happened is they now have vision insurance, and so they're able to get their glasses somewhere else. So, um so, yeah, so I do get to keep in touch with some of the patients over again. So you've served, when I was looking at some of your descriptions of your background and on your website for your business, you've been in places like Honduras and Guatemala and Nicaragua. You've worked in shelters, soup kitchens, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, even gone to people's homes with uh, homebound patients. Um, and then you've done this work with RAM, places like Smythe and Lee Counties and the western part of Virginia. Uh, Emporia, and then you mentioned uh, New Orleans, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Clearly, this is something that you're really passionate about. Something it sounds like it's a you know a vocational higher purpose, something that you were kind of made to do. Uh, it, it, do you feel that way? I, I, I mean, I asked you that question when we talked on the phone right. a couple of weeks ago. That you know, if you had twenty million in the bank, what would you do? And and your answer was, this is what I would do. So right, right, and it would be a lot easier with twenty million million in the bank. I'll tell you, but um, but no, I think that uh, part of the reason why I chose to go into healthcare and go into optometry was to be able to do this type of work. I kind of thought about it even when I was way younger, um, even specifically to Appalachia. But anyway, I kind of always, part of the reason so I went into this, and so then right into um, our second year of optometry school, that's when we started going to, um, I guess Honduras was the first place, third world, third world country that we went to. But yeah, I've always been interested in doing this kind of work. And so the going into the nursing homes, I was actually in one today in Stanton, um, is really similar to the work that we do with RAM Virginia because it's all portable equipment and you set it up and you examine the patients there on site. So I actually have an actual office that patients come to also, and I see patients in our brick-and-mortar office also. But... Um, I really do like doing the portable exams and um, trying to, I guess, see patients who otherwise people wouldn't be seeing them. Yeah, so I, I have to wonder how you even have a business. It seems like you're always volunteering. <laughs> well, so one thing, so my husband, uh, Doug Weiss, Dr. Doug Weiss is also an optometrist, and so we're business partners also, and so he does help a lot with the practical some of the managerial aspects of our practice. and But I'm sure, you know, we could see more patients and probably would make more money if, if we didn't do as much volunteering and took off to do this. But it's something we really want to do and feel that um, it's really important to do. 
you know, I was lucky enough when I was in second grade to get my first pair of glasses to be able to see. I was always able to go to the dentist and get my teeth cleaned to get my teeth filled when I need to needed to. Um, so being able to have medical care shouldn't be a privilege. Everybody should be able to get it, and that's not particularly the case. And so we hope that with Ram Virginia we're helping patients who otherwise wouldn't be able to get it either because they don't can't access it because there's not enough providers or they can't afford it. Um, so we, we take patients, no questions asked. Anybody can come to our clinic. We don't ask for any information about them or proof of any identity or um, monetary or residency or anything. You know, anybody is welcome to come to any of our clinics. Yeah, I noticed on, on your website you have uh, a video of uh, a testimony by Stan Brock um, at, on, to the Senate. What are you all advocating for uh, policy-wise? Is there something that if it changed, more people could have access? Is it, is it Medicare? Is it Medicaid? Is it um, some law or something that would change that would allow these populations to get greater access to eye care and health care in that way? Right. So one thing that's interesting, so even when the ACA was uh, in place and whatever, that mostly worked on medical care but did not take any into consideration anything for vision or dental. So typically uh, glasses and dental care are not covered by Medicare or Medicaid, although there are some exceptions to that. Um, and then even if they are, finding providers is really difficult. But the other thing is um, to have, so for our clinics to have volunteers. So in Virginia, we have a law where out of state, if they apply ahead of time, out of state providers, if they have a license, can come into Virginia and practice during one of these volunteer clinics and see patients. And so that's one of things, the things that Stan's goals is to try to get providers to cross state boundaries. So for example, uh, there's a clinic happening in New York in June, and I actually have a Virginia, and I also have a New York State license, so I can go volunteer, but they are not accepting out-of-state providers. So if I didn't have that New York license, I wouldn't be able to go. So what Stan's trying to do is to get providers to cross state lines in order to be able to practice at these clinics. But the goal also would be is if we had enough healthcare coverage for all Americans, then we'd be able to spend our time in Guyana or the Philippines or Central America or other places. But right now, we are everywhere we go in the United States, we have huge lines of hundreds, if not thousands of patients wanting care. So I've not been to one yet where we've been just sitting there, you know, relaxing. <laughs> so... You know, so I it, there still is work that needs to be done. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is there any one area in particular where you're looking for volunteers or any one program uh, where you're looking to expand? I see on your website, you know, um, uh, Stan Brock has this Ranger Youth program where you're really focused more on, um, you know, youth who are um, in need, they've, you know, economically disadvantaged and he brings them in and he runs this sort of boot camp and he does it, I think with some Navy SEALs or SEAL cadets to try and really 
push the ideas of respect, responsibility, good citizenship, and try and lift these kids up. I mean, are there any other areas uh, that you'd like to touch on or areas in the country where you think, geez, if we had more volunteers, this is an area where we really, every time we go there, we're just a huge need. Right, right. So right now, my focus, because I have been challenged by Stan Brock to work in Virginia and to you know, expand in Virginia. I'm spending a lot of time. So we have eight clinics this year and, um, you know, fundraising and recruiting and things for what I'm doing. I haven't focused quite as much on some of the things outside of Virginia, but in Virginia, for sure, we need volunteer dentists, optometrists, ophthalmologists, dental hygienists. Um, We need doctors of all types at our clinics in Virginia and so one thing that would be great if any of our listeners know their personal dentist, which is that's one, year, one area where we're always short of volunteers, or their optometrist who would be interested in volunteering, um, you can go to ramusa.org slash Virginia, and it gives a drop down of all the clinics we have. So, for example, we have one in um, next weekend, May, the weekend of May 7th in Smith County, Virginia, at the airport there. And then next month we have one in Emporia, Virginia, which is the first one in Southside, Virginia, which is, so it's just about an hour south of Richmond. So it's not that far from the northern Virginia area for people to get to to volunteer. So kind of what we're, we're working on here in Virginia is, providing more clinics here in Virginia, so we need the personnel and volunteers to do that. And um, so, yeah, so my, my goal mainly is, is the working in Virginia. And then also educating our patients as far as with diabetes and diet and different things for prevention. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of my focus. And, and if someone's like a retired optometrist, can they still participate? I don't know what the licensing thing. I was just looking at noting that Stan Brock is in his, what, late 80s or mid-80s at this point? So I believe he's 81. He's either 80 yeah. or 81. Yeah, uh, it's that. incredible. Yeah, it's great. And so, so he keeps going. He shows up at these clinics. He walks around. He does not, you know, he does not rest. <laughs> he is on the go every day. He seems to have some new idea of... You know, so this Rangers program is a new program that he's doing, and also, you know, he's done some work uh, in Greece with the refugee population there. So there's always some new thing. You know, he's not resting. Disaster relief is another big thing um, with Haiti and the earthquake um, and post-care since the earthquake. So Kim Schwanner, who is our... um, clinic and operations coordinator for Am Virginia. She went to Haiti in January, and she had a wonderful experience on one hand, but then it's also really sad to see what great need there is in other countries. Um, but the, the one point I want to bring home, though, that is really sad and kind of depressing is that right here in our own state, in our own backyard, there are people who who need our help. So we don't have to get on a plane and go somewhere. We don't, you may have to drive far because Virginia is a really wide state from corner to corner. But um, there's a lot of people just in need right here in Virginia. And so that's kind of something that I'd like the listeners to, to, to just even realize and that people wait online to see doctors here for overnight. People, when we arrive in Smith, 
next Thursday morning to set up, there's going to be people already waiting sure. on, on what, the street in their cars. Let me ask you, we're, we're running out of time. Go what ahead. about here in Arlington County? Are you folks uh, planning anything here, or are you looking for an organization to jump in and volunteer with you? We have tremendous uh, religious, non-religious county organizations here, I'm, I'm sure, that would love to jump in with you. Should they just reach out to you, or is there anyone in particular? So, yes. For? yes, so they, they can. Um, so our director of community engagement is Marcus Adkins, and so to contact him, the best way is Marcus, M-A-R-C-O-S-V-A, at ramusa.org. And I think you guys are going to have um, some information on your website, too, but how it works typically is if there are organizations that are interested, if they reach out to us, then we come and meet with the different people that are interested. Like, first we talk, and, and then they'll meet meet with them and see if it's a good area to open and if there are enough people supporting us and, and wanting us to come there. So we had someone who was interested in Annandale, and that kind of hasn't resurfaced again, but we would love to do something near a metro stop in Virginia so that we can bring our equipment there, And um, because I feel like, and I've worked both in urban and rural that there's definitely a need up in urban areas, too. You know, unfortunately, the uh, show coordinator here is kicking us off the air. But, Ed, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. And, and uh, Yeah, I've got to wrap up. This is Ed and Sal on uh, Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Everybody have a great night, and be sure to tune into Grace. <laughs>